Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 9 Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst at Football Outsiders. And joining me is my co-host, who's with me every week, Tom Stracken, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. On today's show, we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy for the Sunday slate, as well as the Monday Night Football game. Now, we've got six teams on by this week. It's a big week for buys. A lot of star running backs are out. A couple weeks ago, we had a lot of those big receivers out. So it could be a tough week. We're without Nick Chubb, Zeke Elliott, and Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, I guess you could still kind of consider a star running back, hasn't had a great year. But then Christian McCaffrey, who's been awesome and, and had the huge week last week. So we'll help you fill out your season-long lineups and help you craft some weekly lineups. And speaking of season-long fantasy, are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? I know I've got one that's not doing too well. Well, play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. Play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast Six-round weekly fantasy football draft. You've got easier chances to win than you have on those traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 if you grab first place. You can also try their pick'em games where you easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, basically building out a parlay of prop bets uh, for either a single game or you can combine games in other sports. You can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. And don't forget to use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. And now that I've got all my talking out of the way, I'm going to turn it over to Tom here in just a minute. Buffalo goes into uh, the Meadowlands to face the Jets, minus 12 and a half, 46 and a half point total. We saw Garrett Wilson have a big game last week. Zach Wilson did not have a big game. He struggled. Is any receiver worth playing against this Buffalo team? We did see Romeo Dobbs have a good game against them last week. I think it's it's really tricky to do so. I think you're kind of relying on production coming in garbage time. Um, like you say, Garrett Wilson last week, he was incredibly cheap. I think he was just 4,500 on DraftKings, and he had his best second best fantasy performance of the year, hit a career high in yards of 115. So it's kind of hard to look past him at 4,800 on DraftKings. Um, I don't think it's very easy to have any faith in Elijah Moore at the minute with all the kind of turmoil surrounding him in terms of any other receivers. I think Corey Davis hasn't been practicing this week and Denzel Mims had those two big plays, but I don't really want to be playing him against the Buffalo defense for, you know, they rank top 10 across the board in terms of like allowing fantasy points to positions for just, they're very good at defending everywhere. Sometimes they see possession to running backs and like against, I think it was the Packers where they just, they'd let the Packers at times just run on them. It felt like, but it really never felt like they weren't in control of the game. So I'm not really wanting to start anyone. I definitely don't want to start any running backs. Last week, James Robinson made his debut, played 22% of the snaps. Ty Johnson was in there and played like 30% of the snaps or so. And then obviously Michael Carter. And it just feels like this could be a running back by committee approach for a few weeks before things shake out to how they want it to be. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of hard to start anyone when Zach Wilson still has less passing touchdowns than Joe Flacco did. And Joe Flacco hasn't played in weeks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a little rougher on the offense. They've been winning games, but Zach Wilson definitely not playing uh, great football right now. That Jets defense, though, is playing really good football. They've been top 10 through eight weeks. They're eighth overall and eighth against both the pass and the rush. Imagine still starting all the Bills. Uh, is there anyone, though, that maybe you're a little worried about against this uh, defense that's been pretty good? 
Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly worried. I think obviously with the addition of Naeem Hines this week, it's it's a little less easy to start running backs in a well Devin Singletary, and we saw James Cook have that nice catch the other night. But then you probably weren't starting him. But Devin Singletary, I'd probably hold off on playing if I can this week. I think in terms of the pass catchers, it'd be nice to see Gabe Davis a little more involved. He's averaging 5.5 targets per game, but he's only averaging 2.7 catches per game. So, you know, he had that big bloke game against the Steelers, but since then it's been, it's very boom or bust. I mean, he's that kind of better and best ball player where you don't really want to make a decision for your fantasy lineups, but for best ball, he's great. The player who I do really like this week is Dawson Knox. It's only... Uh, over the last three weeks, only two teams have allowed more fantasy points to tight ends than the Jets have. And Knox, he's seen a bit of a drop-off from last year where you know he was really getting the end zone frequently, but he's had back-to-back games of touchdowns. He's caught 100% of his red zone targets this year, and that's the kind of reliability that quarterbacks go back to. So I'd definitely be starting him. I think he's 3500 on DraftKings this week, so he feels very much the right price for this one. Yeah, and again, that Jets defense – has been good, but still a, a, a lot of optimism for those Buffalo players in that, that offense, as, as we know. Uh, and our projections did have the Jets' defense top 10, so just a little plug there. We really liked them this year, and they've continued it. We saw them lose, though, by 15 to both the Ravens and the Bengals early. At 12 and a half here, I think the defense can keep them close. It'll be up to Zach Wilson to do his part. And our projections have the Jets plus 12 and a half as one of our top spread picks of the week to cover. Uh, I said I like when we did the Thursday night preview, I like these big spreads. Buffalo's won big against teams with below average offenses. We saw them crush both Tennessee and Pittsburgh. I'm going to buy into another big spread and take Buffalo to cover it, but I do think the game falls short of 46.5 because I think that Jets offense struggles. It looks like you're probably on the same page or close to it. Yeah, I'm with you on all of that. It just feels like, you know, when early on in the season, I tend to stay away from these big um, spreads, but by now we know what teams are and you saw it last week, Zach Wilson couldn't keep the Jets in that game against the Patriots. The game was there for the taking, and he had like three interceptions and less than 50% completion rate. So I just find it very hard to believe that he's going to turn that around for a game against a tougher opponent. Yeah, very tough opponent there in Buffalo. Going to move on to Buffalo's opponent last week. We mentioned him, Green Bay, minus three and a half at Detroit. This one's got a 49 and a half point total. Set up to be a possible breakout game for this Packers offense to finally get things going against the Lions' dead last ranked defense. Would you target guys like Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs for this one? Lazard is back. We saw uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle each have huge games last week, but we've seen the struggles from this Green Bay offense. I think if, if Alan Lazard's back and healthy, then you can definitely plug him in and play. He feels like probably the most reliable receiver at the minute. He's 6,000 on DraftKings, which feels about the kind of right price for Alan Lazard. If he goes over that, I always start feeling a little uneasy because his ceiling isn't necessarily quite where you'd really want it to be. Um, but like you say, I mean, this this is a plum matchup for the Packers. Like It just feels like every week we come around to an opponent who needs a get-right game against and they just walk into a game like this. So... I find I'm definitely on board with Lazard. I think outside of that, Dubs is fine. He's not somebody I'll play an awful lot of, but if you're attacking this game heavily, I don't mind it. Or if you need to start him in season long, that's not a problem. Uh, Robert Tonyan, somebody who I do really like, though. Uh, over the last three weeks, he's had 18 receptions, which leads tight ends, and he's had 22 targets, which is only behind George Kittle. So 
he's been quite efficient on the targets he's had. The Lions allow the third most points to tight ends this year and be ranked dead last in DBOA versus the position. So that just feels like a smash and he's only 3,800 on DraftKings. Yeah, and then we saw Aaron Jones have the big game last week, 143 rushing yards. He's got 67-plus in four straight against Detroit. I like his total at 64.5 to go over that. Uh, he's a top-level player. You're starting him pretty much everywhere. Do you think there's room for A.J. Dillon in this one? Really been a disappointment this year, especially the way they used both of those running backs last year. Yeah, I mean, and you might might have a better opinion than me on this being a Packers fan, but it just seems like he's not really running the ball overly well this year. Last year, he was a big bowling ball and he would smash through defenses. He'd smash through the line and stuff. But, yeah, he said 87. So he's averaging like 11 rush attempts per game, but he's really not doing huge amounts with it. Like he's averaging 4.1 yards per carry, which is fine. But Aaron Jones averages 5.9 yards per carry. And he's just, you know, a lot of people expected AJ Dillon to make the leap this year and he's just not doing so. And I'm sure there will be one week where it is AJ Dillon week and it'll be a, a week that wins somebody a million dollars on DraftKings. But I think unless you're setting multiple lineups, I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. He's only 5,700 on DraftKings, but if you're looking for a running back around that price range, you're going to be giving up a chance to play guys who are like, uh, let's see, so Travis Etienne's only 600 more, Donna Foreman's 300 more, Devin Singletary's 5,700. So you'd be choosing very much the unknown if you go down that route. Yeah, and uh, Aaron Jones is actually the top running back in DVOA as well among running backs so far. So as you mentioned, uh, 5.9 yards per carry, just been a very good year for Aaron Jones so far. When they get him the ball, of course, it's been a big complaint. Quickly on the other side, there's not a whole lot for Detroit. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown is now like the only pass catcher left or healthy pass catcher with uh, Hawkinson over in Minnesota now uh, being traded on on Tuesday. Should we be worried about that or are you still still heavy on uh, Amon Ross St. Brown? Uh, I think it's a tricky one because Green Bay ranked ninth against the pass in defense DVOA. They've allowed fifth fewest fantasy points to receivers. But sometimes you just get in situations where you can count on bankable volume. And, you know, Eamon Rossing Brown in his last four full games, he's totaled 43 targets. Now that TJ Hawkinson's not there, all those near the line of scrimmage targets are going to just filter to him. So I'd feel fine about it myself. I, I think. DeAndre Swift practiced today after not practicing yesterday, but I'm getting to a point where I'm really struggling to start him. I've got one league where I've ended up with both him and Jamal Williams in, and it's just it's a special layer of hell where I have to try and figure out what to do each week with that. <laughs> absolutely, I believe it. Now, looking at this game too, absolute uh, you know hell being a, a Packers fan this year. Uh, before the season, I would have told you, looking at the schedule, that we win this game pretty easily, but – I think this could go either way. Only three and a half point favorites. Green Bay did cover last week against Buffalo, I believe. Uh, I think it finished, what, at over 11 or close to 11. We had it at 10 and a half or 11. The game never seemed close, though. It, it seemed like Buffalo really was in control from the get-go. Really had no faith in the Packers. I'm going to give them one last shot here with that, as you mentioned, a get-right game against Detroit. Kind of the Detroit defense effect. going to say they're able to cover at just three and a half points. I think they can win by – by six, seven, maybe even get it to 10 if they look good. Uh, I don't see this one getting to 50 points, though. Um, I think it falls a little short. I was actually a little surprised when I saw 49 and a half, given, you know, the Green Bay defense actually has been decent. You mentioned their ninth against the pass uh, have been, you know, better than, than kind of what they've 
uh, the narrative has been, I guess, that the defense is struggling. All they all kind of suck, um, but that defense has been pretty good. So I'm going to say uh, that it stays under 50. What are your What's your take on this game? Yeah, I'm going to say the the Lions keep it enough that the Packers don't cover. Um, but I do think the Packers win the game. But I'm also going to go with the under just because Green Bay play at such a slow pace of, of you know play, and it's really. No games with them seem to really descend into complete shootouts. So if it yeah. does turn into that, it's going to be because of the Lions are doing it. And in that case, I think they can keep it close enough to cover. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good game. Though. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Even last week, they're they're down uh, down big, and they kept running the ball and playing it at a pretty slow pace. So uh, uh, would not be surprised there. Again, we both both like the under there. Move on to Carolina at Cincinnati. Panthers are plus seven, forty-two and a half point total. Bengals looked absolutely horrible on Monday without Jamar Chase. Do you still trust this offense without Chase? I think there might be a play, a player or player that you like here. Yeah, I, I, it's just, you know, you look at when things were working right for the Bengals last year, the ground game was working as well as the passing game. And now Joe Mixon's been awful this year. He, yeah. You know, he's averaging like less than 3.5 yards per carry in a majority of his games. And, you know, whilst he's improved over the last few games, part of that is down to the fact that they've been playing defenses that rank worse in run de- run defense DVOA over the last few weeks than we did to start the season. I think, though, you can definitely look to target T. Higgins this week. He'll be one of my favorite plays. Um, the Panthers' defensive strength is against a run where they rank seventh, but they rank 27th against the pass. So it just seems like, okay, Bengals are struggling with the running game. The Bengals are good through the air. The Panthers are Bad, good on the ground, but bad through the air. And it just it seems very easy to just uh, attack T. Higgins very heavily this week. And his receiving yard set at 75 and a half. Uh, so it could be a good play there to go over that uh, <laughs> as the number one guy there. Uh, on the other side, Deonta Foreman was one of a handful of players that scored three touchdowns last week. But he didn't practice on Wednesday. I didn't see today if he practiced. On the other hand, Chuba Hubbard returned yesterday in limited fashion. How are you approaching this backfield? It seems if Foreman is healthy, he's the man because he's had two very good games. Hubbard's missed time. Uh, but it still seems like they may kind of switch him in and out a little bit. Yeah, and that's exactly the way that I'm going to approach it. I, I think, you know, Chuba Hubbard last year got decent play when Christian McCaffrey was down and the team didn't think enough of him to be willing to go into the season with just him behind Christian McCaffrey. So we brought in Donna Foreman, who played excellently last year in Tennessee. And I think Donna Foreman's shown that he can deal with the majority of the snaps. I think Tuba Hubbard will still mix in, see third down work and stuff like that, which if you're expecting the Bengals to build up a healthy lead in this one, perhaps that format for uh, favors Chuba Hubbard more, but I'd lean towards Donna Foreman if he gets in a couple of full practices. He is 6,000 on DraftKings this week, which is a little expensive, but I'm kind of all right with it. Aside from that, I think you can look at Terrace Marshall, who set a career high in targets last week with nine. He had more receiving yardage than he'd accumulated in his last 15 appearances. So the Bengals rank 23rd against wide receiver two. So if you Building that kind of idea that the Panthers might be behind and having to chase the game, then Terrace Marshall is definitely somebody who's kind of interesting. Obviously, DJ Moore is at like 28 targets in his last three games. So you can plug and play him again now with a little more confidence than we had a few weeks ago. 
Yeah, it was rough there for a while. And uh, Carolina could get up early, maybe, and it is a, a running back day. They are seventh in overall DVOA since trading Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Could very easily be 2-0 if not for uh, the unsportsmanlike penalty after the touchdown with uh, DJ Moore taking his helmet off. Uh, to be fair, uh, Eddie Pinero did miss a field goal from the same distance in overtime that that extra point would have been. Anyway, they're playing well. Offense is sixth. Defense is tenth in that span. Very small sample size against two teams who've been below average since the calendar turned to October. But they now face a Bengals team we just talked about. Looked really bad on Monday night without Jamar Chase. Uh, they lost Chidobe Awuzie for the season to a torn ACL. I did pick this as my most likely upset pick this week. I'm actually going to say Carolina does cover, but I think Cincinnati still wins this game. And then at 42.5 points, it's one of the week's lowest totals. It was a tough pick. It went back and forth on this. I could see like a 24-20 or 23-17 right on that line. Um, I'm going to go over, though, just slightly. I think both teams do just enough to score there. Yeah, I'm with you on all those points. Uh, Nothing really to add. I think just you made perfect sense of that. Perfect, perfect. So we'll move on. Las Vegas minus two at Jacksonville, 48-point total. Vegas offense was horrid last week as well, and they got shut out for the first time since – 2014 or 2015, I think. Devontae Adams only had one catch, but was reportedly dealing with the flu. He's been uh, out of practice or limited this week with the illness as well. But that Jaguars defense has really fallen off since the early season success. Any Raiders player you would not consider this week against Jacksonville? Uh, I think Maybe it's starter, just tricky. Starter, that is. <laughs> I think it's just kind of tricky knowing what's going on there at a minute. Like since, since they paid – Darren Waller, he's, you know, we all seem to think during the offseason, it was like, oh, yeah, these injury issues with Darren Waller will just disappear once he gets his contract, got his contract, and now we've barely seen him. So that's a tricky one. I think Foster Moreau at 3,200 is kind of fine against the Jaguars defense if you're looking for a bargain tight end. Obviously, Devon Adams, you can definitely plug him back in for a, a bounce-back game. And Josh Jacobs, he had his worst fantasy performance of the season and his first single-digit fantasy performance since week two. And I just I don't think that's going to happen again. I think the Raiders abandoned the rush too quickly last week. Like, Jacobs had 23 of his rushing yards before the Saints opened the scoring. I mean, he only got 20 more through the rest of the game. So, you know, this Jaguars defense will have most fantasy points for running back. will have 1.8 rushing touchdowns per game. So I've got full confidence that Josh Jacobs is going to bounce back. But outside of him, maybe, maybe you could talk yourself into Mac Hollins again. He's been surprisingly good at times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, definitely. Yeah, and they're looking at the other side. Only Detroit is worse against the pass this year than Vegas is. But no Jaguars receiver really has been great lately. Christian Kirk had the big start to the season, but really hasn't done a lot. Had a, a game or two or scored a touchdown kind of to save his day. Any plays you like from that Jacksonville side outside of Travis Etienne? I think Christian Kirk's just about to play. I think, you know, bad days are coming from, you know, playing against the Broncos, who ranks first against the pass last week in London. We always knew it was going to be tough for him to have a really good week. Um but it has been disappointing, as you said. I think, you know, he was PPR wide receiver six through the first three weeks, and then he was wide receiver 35 since then. So I understand why people wouldn't want to, but on DraftKings, he's 5,500. And when you've got all five weeks stacking up, definitely something that I would uh, consider doing. Travis Etienne's definitely in play. I think he projects our top running back this week on Football Outsiders projections. 
you know, Raiders are about defense and passing defense. They rank 18th against the rush, 31st against the pass. But they still are a bottom half defense. We just allowed Alvin Kamara a rush for three touchdowns and see nine targets against them. So I think you can definitely have some level of faith for Travis Etienne is going to see a large workload. Yeah, Jacksonville goes in uh, or goes in. They're at home, but they're two and two point underdogs, 48 point total. Uh, what do you like in this one on the, the spread and the total there? Uh, so on this one, I've gone the Jags to keep to to cover, Jags to win it, and be over. I just think if this was in Vegas, I'd have a bit more faith in them being able to win the game or at least keep it close. But the Raiders they just look like a really, really bad team and things aren't going right. I mean, you look at their use of Devontae Adams and it's just frankly disappointing given what they invested in him. So I'll, I'll lean towards the Jags on everything and be over. Yep, I'm right there with you, Jacksonville, to win at home because kind of what you said, I'm not really sure what to make of this Raiders team. Uh, they looked horrible last week. And then over 48 points, both defenses below average in DVOA for the year, both offenses hovering around average. So I think we'll see some scoring there. So I'm all in with you on, on those picks. Moving on to Los Angeles Chargers, minus three at the Atlanta Falcons, 49 and a half point total there. No Mike Williams, no Keenan Allen, it seems. Uh, kind of had a setback there, said he wasn't – he's not going to play again until he's at 100%. Uh, kind of made that mistake before last week, before the bye last week. I'm expecting a big game from Austin Eckler. A lot of targets for Gerald Everett. They're the last – kind of the, the, the only two left. Uh, DeAndre Carter's still there, but those are the big names. Would you agree there? Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, – as soon as that news came out yesterday, it was just like, well – here we go for another massive Austin Eckler week. He's 8,800 on DraftKings, which is definitely kind of creeping up into that very expensive range. Uh, but he's just, it doesn't matter what he's doing through the rushing game at the minute where he's only got 380 yards on the season because in the receiving game, he's just been just constantly used. He's averaging 7.6 receptions per game, 8.7 targets. He's at 10 red zone targets, which is as many as any wide receiver in the league has. So, you definitely have a large amount of faith in him. Um, outside of that, I mean, Josh Palmer is somebody who I had high hopes for coming into this season and he struggled to separate early on in the season. But then, you know, we saw him play in a game last year where Mike Williams missed and he was used more as the vertical receiver in that situation. And he returned like 15 PPR points that day. So I'm kind of interested in that one in that ma- in this matchup. He's only 5,100, so he's very cheap. Aside from that, the tight ends, it's got a little bit more muddled since uh, Donald Parham returned to the team. He's been eating into Gerald Everett's workload a little bit, but I don't mind either of them if you really need a punt play or if you're looking for somebody off the waivers, um, but I'm not desperate to play them. Yeah, those guys can have good days without Justin Herbert necessarily going off. Can we – Feel confident starting Justin Herbert given those injuries and kind of lack of playmakers there? I don't feel bad about it simply because of the high amount of volume which is going to go to Austin Eckler. And then Austin Eckler just turns so many of these these short catches into touchdown runs. Um, And I'd like to believe coming off the bye that Justin Herbert's feeling a little bit more healthy, that his ribs are feeling a little bit better for now at least. And uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the uh, Atlanta pass rush is particularly daunting. No, and could get a little bit of uh, uh, maybe a little bit more running there for Herbert too. Um, now that you said he's healthy, so hopefully he's always had that rushing upside except until he got hurt there. It wasn't running as much. But yeah, not a lot to fear on Atlanta. Um, they are, I believe, second to last 
uh, versus the pat or in overall defense. Um, so not really great there, but on the offensive side for Atlanta, Cordell Patterson is expected back this week. If he does return, you feel comfortable playing Tyler Algier or Caleb Huntley. Uh, Patterson did say everyone will be able to shine, but I think only, you know, probably Patterson will get the most of the work there. It's hard for three running backs to all shine in a game. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have any faith in starting either of those guys. We've seen that kind of role players, they're not people who, have been able to seize this job whilst Patterson's been out. I think Patterson still kind of rates really highly in a lot of our run uh, running back metrics because he was just so good when he was playing. I'd be a little bit cautious about playing Cordero Patterson this first week back. Just it feels like sometimes, you know, these kind of he feels at an age where they might just bring him along slowly. He's 31 years old. It's, you know, it's very old for a running back. So I'm not overly desperate to play him. You know, it's the same old kind of headaches when it comes to the Falcons really about who you can start. Like Marcus Mario had 20 completions for the first time since week one last week, but it took overtime for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. He hit season highs in passing yardage because of that crazy game script but his season high in passing yardage was 253. So it's like, it really doesn't, it's really tricky. I mean, Kyle Pitts set a season high in PPR points with 21.5, but are we going to see Arthur Smith suddenly have faith in his quarterback after a big game last week? I just, I'm not ready to believe that until I see it. And you definitely can't start Drake London at the minute because he's had five consecutive weeks where he's, um, so, uh, yeah, it's like now been five consecutive weeks since he scored double-digit points. Yeah, it's really been tough sledding for Drake London. Is it is it time or maybe even past time to drop London if you drafted him in season long? We mentioned six buys, so sometimes you got to drop those borderline guys you want to hang on to, but you can't. Uh, is he one of those guys that it's worth it to hang on to him, or would you be willing to cut ties there? I think it's tricky because, obviously, you saw how good he was at the start of the season. So it's like, oh, well, if I drop him, am I going to be losing out on that? But the next few games, so they've got – after this week against the Chargers, they've got the Panthers again, and it might be a little too optimistic to hope that turns into a big shootout. Then they've got the Bears and then Washington, two teams that, you know, they, they're not really always going to turn out into big passing volume games. So – I'd be kind of all right with it because if you need to make a move at this point of the season, sometimes it's better to just make that move and uh, spend too long procrastinating and before you know it, your team's dead. Yeah, and we've talked multiple times uh, about how tough the Falcons are and have been this year, uh, even though they do run the ball so much. But they go in, uh, they're, they're at home, but three-point underdogs against the Chargers, 49.5 point total. What do you like on this one? Yeah, so I've gone with Falcons to cover and Falcons to win the game. I just think perhaps if Herbert had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, it'd be a different story. But this Chargers team just it just feels like this isn't going to be their year and they're kind of just ready for another offseason in some regards. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've got some juice coming out of the bye. Um, but I do have the game to go over. I think these offenses could push it enough. Yeah, and I mentioned we talked about how tough the Falcons are, but that defense is a liability. I mentioned they're second to last, 26th or worst first to pass in the rush. I went the other way, took the Chargers coming off their bye to cover even with those limited offensive weapons just because Austin Eckler is so good. We've seen Gerald Everett be good and some of those uh, kind of tertiary receivers uh, that could, could have big games for them. As for the total, our projections have this one barely over. I'm with you in the projections too. I'm saying 
over, uh, even though it is pretty high at 49 and a half. I think it's tied for the most or maybe just behind. I forget if they're at the game uh, at 50. We'll see. But I like the over there as well. So move on to Miami, minus five at Chicago. 45 and a half point total here. Justin Fields has been on a tear lately. Three straight top eight finishes, back-to-back QB5s. He's QB2 over the last four weeks and has a pretty good matchup against the struggling Dolphins' pass defense. Uh, is he? I imagine he's going to be pretty popular to play this week given his success. Uh, is he moving into every week starter uh, territory in season-long draft or season-long leagues? I think he kind of has to be, really. I mean, we've seen the was a very good article on the Athletic this week where they were looking at the differences in how the Bears are play calling now, and they're giving so many more designed runs to him. I think there was a stat that in two in the last two games he'd had thirteen designed runs, and over the previous however many games to start the season he'd only had twelve. So it definitely seems like they're finally cottoning on to the fact that. If you've got a dual threat quarterback, then if you actually use him as a dual threat, then it keeps the defense a little bit more honest. He's only 5,300 on DraftKings this week, so I think you definitely will see some people play him. I'm not sure it'll be as popular as Tua, though, because Tua seems to be getting all the hype at the minute. And um, I'll give you a crazy little stat. I found for Tua the other day where in home games, Tua's averaged 15.7 fantasy points, whilst on the road he scores 43.02. So it's a small sample size, but it just seems like you know nobody's afraid of playing Tua on the road. Sometimes you get teams where it's like, oh, you know, they're not a great team on the road, but the Dolphins have shown they can win on the road. Apart, apart from Fields on the Bears side of things, sorry, um, I mean, Cole Komet caught his first touchdown in like a year and a half or something rubbish, but it's nothing to get excited about really, is it? It just feels like, I think it's interesting seeing how things are going to play out with Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, with Khalil Herbert seeing more of the rushes after Montgomery fumbled against the Cowboys, but either of them really getting enough of the work where you want to be starting them in fantasy at the minute, I think where you have to, they're okay, but if you've got a choice, it gets a little tricky. Yeah, that hot hand approach is tough for fantasy, especially if you have, if you've got both of them, uh, or if you have one of them. No, because you could put a guy in and he could end up with two points because the other guy's the hot hand. He fumbles, they go with the other one. So tough there. One more note on Justin Fields: you mentioned the rushing. He's averaging over seventy-six rushing yards on over eleven rushes per game over the last three. So a lot of those, like you said, on design runs. And just been a much, uh, uh, been running a lot more than productive, but also been productive passing. Now, looking at Chicago's defense in the past game, they're allowing less than 200 passing yards per game. You mentioned when we were just talking about Atlanta, uh, not a team you really get into heavy passing scripts against. Um, any concerns here? You mentioned two will be a big play, but for like Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, um, as far as mate, you're starting them in season long, but for daily fantasy, maybe they won't get as much of the work there uh, if they get out to a big lead. Yeah, and, and for that reason, they've only allowed like the third most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. It's one of those stats where if you just glance at a surface level, uh, surface level, you're like, oh, they're really good against receivers. And it's it's not that. It's just because teams just run on them. They don't need to do an awful lot against them. Uh, I think, yeah, I'm kind of okay with starting Waddle. I'm okay with starting Tyreek in DFS. Um you know, after these big blow-up games, their prices are creeping up. So you kind of have to be, 
you know, okay with it. But Tyreek's 8,500 this week, which is by no means too pricey. I think it's very easy to see another situation where he gets over 100 yards, gets 10 receptions or so, because that just seems to be what he does every week. Uh, Jalen Waddles down at 7,400. And obviously got there last week on touchdown efficiency. Um, but I'm fine playing both of them. I'm not sure Waddle will be very popular. So in that situation, sometimes it pays to take the contrarian play instead. Yeah, and one last uh, question I want to ask on the Dolphins. They just traded for Jeff Wilson. Do you think he has a big impact this week? A lot of times we see a, a little acclimation period coming to a new offense. But he comes over from San Francisco and knows Mike McDaniel's system from their time together in San Francisco. So you think he gets a lot of work, or uh, is he worth playing? But Raheem Mostert has been really good. They are back together now. But he's been really good this year as well. Yeah, I kind of lean towards Mostert on this one. You know, the team definitely leaned into him over these last few weeks. He's had 61% of running back opportunities this season. And, you know, Mostert ranks 10th in DYAR, 6th in success rate. And... This Bears defense, they ranked 28th against them in rush defense, DVOA, but they'll have fourth most fantasy points to running backs. So I'm just kind of leaning into the idea that Mostert has the lead role for now. And I do think over time, Jeff Wilson is definitely going to eat into it because Jeff Wilson is a good running back. Um, he's a much better running back than Chase Edmonds. But for now, I'm kind of fine with it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the game level here, I kind of like Chicago. Uh, they came back last week, played Dallas close through about two and a half quarters, and Dallas kind of ran away with it. Um, scored 29 points after scoring 33 against New England, but they scored more than 20 just once prior to that. I I think they can cover, but I think Miami ultimately wins this game. They're the better team uh, all around. And then I'm going to go with the over as well. I think both teams get into the mid-20s, this one at 45 and a half. Uh, I don't think it goes too far over, but I do think it goes over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar, but I've got Miami to cover. I think, you know, it just just like Miami's staying power a little bit more against the Bears, um, but definitely not by much more. If it, was, if it grew past six, I wouldn't be on board, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For those out there, it was at five. I don't know if I mentioned that, minus five uh, at the time of recording. So uh, pretty close there. But we'll move on to Indianapolis, plus five and a half at New England, 40-point total. Now, Ramondre Stevenson didn't dominate the carries. He had 16 to Damian Harris's 11, but he led the team in receiving yards with 72 on seven catches. What do we do with Damian Harris at this point in season long? Probably not going to start him in DFS, it doesn't seem like. Um, maybe someone would want to take a chance on him. But season long, you've got him, but he's not the lead back anymore. So how are you viewing him here on out? Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where, like you say, he's going to be a very tricky start, perhaps with all the bye weeks you're forced into it, and you kind of need to rely on the idea that he's going to get a touchdown to really creep into those double-digit points. But in terms of DFS, looking at ownership projections around the industry this morning, it seems like a lot of people expect Ramondre Stevenson to be a very popular play this week. Um, I think actually that there's a little bit of leverage that we can find on that because everybody's going to be playing Ramondre Stevenson. Not an awful lot of people are going to be playing Jacoby Myers, who's quietly having a really nice season, and you, you just you can't say that about a lot of Patriots really. So. Yeah, he leads the team in receptions with 35. He's ranked 11th in PPR points per game. And whilst the Colts are uh, good against the rush, um, they rank 6th against the rush. They're 
20th against uh, the pass and against wide receiver ones, they rank 29th. So it feels like there's really an opportunity for Jacoby Myers to have a good game this week. Yeah, and on, on the other end, uh, for Indianapolis, uh, Sam Ellinger in. We saw last week. Had them in position to win, but didn't. The big news, though, is still Jonathan Taylor missed practice again uh, after aggravating his ankle injury. Looks like he's probably not going to play. Naheem Hines was one of my top waiver wire pickups for this reason, but then he got <laughs> traded to Buffalo not long after I posted that article. Uh, imagine you probably feel pretty good about Deion Jackson in this one. New England uh, hasn't been great against the run this year, as we've mentioned a couple times on our shows throughout the, the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those that people look at the matchup and they see the Patriots defense and they're afraid to play running backs against them. But, you know, you, as you mentioned, like in DVOA, that's just not the case. I mean, New England ranked 26 in run defense DVOA. I think Deion Jackson, he's, he's been very good so far. Like he's not incredible but he's definitely not an embarrassment for a running game like so far this uh, season he's uh, he's got 100 rushing yards but he's only done it on 30 attempts so it's like that's that's not fantastic but this Colts team isn't fantastic uh, and if Taylor if Taylor keeps missing out then I'd definitely play him I think if you're in really deep leagues you can probably stretch to that and that's about it for me on the Colts I think Sam Ellinger last week at 4000 on DraftKings was interesting, but this week he's priced up to 5000 which it's only $300 more to get to Justin Fields, who feels like a much better play. Yeah, and I think uh, Deion Jackson also had um, well, he had a game with like 10 catches, I think, in one of those he filled in for Jonathan Taylor a couple weeks ago. So has the receiving upside, especially with Naeem Hines not there anymore. Uh, could get the rushes and the, the receiving out of the backfield there. Now looking at this game, from the betting perspective, Indianapolis, I mentioned at the top here, plus five and a half, only a 40-point total. I think this is the lowest of the week. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm just, you know, when quarterbacks like Sam Ellinger go into Foxborough, I don't think good things are going to happen for him. So I'm leaning on to the New England side of this and beyond. It doesn't feel like a game that's going to feature heavily on red zone. Yep, I agree on the the total there. We've got New England sixth in defensive DVOA. Indianapolis 14th. Got the under 40. The Patriots offense just hasn't really been that good. They're only 24th in DVOA. Um, I'm leaning a little bit the Colts uh, at five and a half, uh, but the Patriots win another one. I, I didn't see it as a prop. Typically, they, they have it on there, and sometimes they're not up by the time we get on the show, but I think uh, Ellinger throws at least one interception. We saw the Patriots intercept uh, Zach Wilson, I think we said three times last week. I think they forced him into one this week as well. Again, yeah, 40 points, the lowest total of the week. And and uh, I guess I side with the under there with you. So Patriots will still win. I do think the Colts are able to cover there, though. Move on to one that I think is a lot of people picking Washington here, but Minnesota minus three and a half going into Washington uh, or going to the Commanders. 43.5 point total. Could be a big day for this Minnesota pass offense. Washington only 28th in pass defense DVOA. Tom, I think you really like this game this week, don't you? Yeah, and I was surprised to see the uh, the over-under on this one at 43.5. I thought it should have been kind of closer to 46, 47, if not higher. But this is where my stack of the week is because Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin just seems to be all the stealing in this game, you know. Cousins hasn't had any true eruption games this year, but he's been pretty steady. He's had four games over 18 fantasy points. 
He's been a top 12 quarterback in four or seven appearances. The commanders allow the six most fantasy points to quarterbacks. You know, they're better against a run than they are against a pass, as you mentioned. Justin Jefferson's just been excellent. You know, not quite as many 35, 40 point games as we'd have perhaps liked, but he's the PPR wide receiver four, ranks fourth in DYAR. And only Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs average more receiving yards per game than Jefferson's 107.4. The commanders allow the fifth most points to wide receivers, so it's like everything checks out on that side of it. On the other side of the ball, you know, Terry McLaurin, he's had his best two fantasy performances of the season with Taylor Heineke in there. Um, and only eight receivers have scored more fantasy points than Terry McLaurin in those last two weeks. The, Vic- the Vikings have the 11th worst grade in past defense DVOA. They've allowed the 12th most fantasy points to receivers, and they're particularly struggling against wide receiver ones where they rank 32nd. So, like, all of that for me just feels like the absolute smash stack of the week, and it'll cost you about 40% of your drafting salary, but I'm all over that this week. You mentioned Kirk Cousins has been solid. He's probably not going to win you a week. He's, he doesn't have uh, really those 30-point games like we see, but definitely not going to lose you a week. Uh, most often, uh, as you mentioned, been pretty steady. On the other side is Taylor Heineke, perhaps a good play. Minnesota's given up nearly 300 passing yards per game. They have the worst red zone defense. And he's got some rushing upside, too. He hasn't showcased it a lot this year, but did have six rushes last week uh, for, I think, like 30 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think he's in a price range amongst quarterbacks where he's really going to get played very little. Um, but I think so. He's fifty four hundred, which is a hundred dollars more than uh, Justin Fields. So I think a lot of people gravitate to him. Marcus Mariota is a hundred dollars cheaper, and I think a lot of people gravitate to him. So I really don't think a lot of people play him, but I don't mind that at all. And I think particularly if you're in two QB leagues and you need a starter to fill in this week, then he's very much viable for all the points you mentioned like this Vikings defense is okay but it's not incredible yeah and I mentioned there at the time I've seen a lot of people pitching picking Washington I think one or two people uh picked Washington as the upset in the staff predictions um I'm going Minnesota though despite those defensive struggles I think the Vikings offense is going to be too much Washington will keep it close uh but I think Minnesota is able to cover it three and a half points if it was uh, maybe, you know, four and a half. I might lean Chicago, uh, Washington. Uh, but I, I'm with you too. I think the 43 and a half point total is, is way too low. Minnesota will surrender some scores there. So I'm going to go over the 43 and a half and then Minnesota to cover. How about you? Yep. Same with you across it. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I wasn't sure, as I was saying, some people picked Washington. I didn't know if you were one of the ones that did or not. So I was waiting for it and was, uh, <laughs> kind of uh expecting it but we're all on the same page there with uh minnesota so move on to a big divisional matchup here seattle plus two at arizona 49 and a half point totals we got a big total here seattle won the overachiever bowl if you will last week against the giants uh two teams not really expected to be great but have been playing well all the stars for seattle had solid games nothing should really scare us off of any of them against arizona i don't think but i did see i forget who tweeted it but they're running a lot of three tight end sets but none of their tight ends got more than two targets. Is there a tight end you'd feel confident playing considering they're going against the league's second worst defense against tight ends? Uh, it's definitely tricky for all the reasons you've mentioned. There have been times where I've played Noah Fano. There have been times I've played Will Disley. And they've kind of been okay. They're both priced right down to Noah Fano's 2,900 on DraftKings. Will Disley's 3,000. So he's just like 
slightly more. And I think people will gravitate to Noah Fan more because he is that $100 cheaper. And when he gets down to playing those punt tight ends, that $100 counts. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure Eva's a better player than the other. I think, you know, they've both been reasonable this year, but neither of them have been particularly fantastic. Um, they've both, you know, is it the scheme or are they playing well? I know that people expected Noah Fan to play better than he has. You know, he's got 22 catches. Will Disley's got 21 in terms of yards. It's very much very similar, really. Uh, Will Disley's got 206. Noah Fan's got 176. So it's not like Eva's particularly outproducing the other one. So you can definitely kind of coin flip it a little bit. They both have four red zone targets. Um, really, for me, the one play which I'm particularly excited about is Kenneth Walker, who every week you watch the Seahawks games and he just looks brilliant. Like, he ranks third in rushing yards over the last three weeks. He ranks first in touchdowns with four and second in ta- in missed tackles with 17. So he's PPR, RB5 in that period. And it's just he's just somebody I've got a lot of confidence in. The Seahawks have the league's third best offense on the road, according to DVOA. The Cardinals have the league's third worst defense at home. So if you're perhaps worried about starting somebody on the road, I wouldn't have any qualms of starting any Seahawks players this week against Cardinals. Yeah, <laughs> one more thing uh, on those tight ends for uh, Seattle as well. It's one of those things, times where you wish uh, maybe fantasy was you were drafting position groups and you just take Seattle tight ends <laughs> instead of having to pick between one or the other. Uh, the Arizona backfield is kind of similar where you would want to just pick, uh, have drafted the Arizona backfield because uh, – James Conner limited uh, this week, was limited at times the last three weeks, but missed all three. Going up against the number one defense over the last three weeks in Seattle after they struggled out of the gate. Uh, would you trust you know, Benjamin against their top ten run defense of Seattle? I know you're still starting uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, and Kyler Murray, but the backfield I think is the big question for Arizona. Yeah, and last week was definitely disappointing for Eno Benjamin. You know, after the week before where he was the running back six on the week, he dropped all the way down to the running back 35 and only got you 8.5 points. So it definitely wasn't the kind of game which you wanted if you were putting him into your team last week. But he has been really consistent in the passing game. He's had uh, four four receptions in back-to-back games. He had 12 targets over the last two games. So they still are utilising those kind of high-value touches. Um, I think it was just the rushing yards just weren't there last week. He had nine attempts for 22 yards, which is really disappointing. But if James Conner misses, I'm completely fine with it because I think you just have to trust volume sometimes, particularly when it comes to running backs. Um, and you know, speaking of volume, I think you can also obviously trust DeAndre Hopkins because he's just getting an absurd amount of targets at the minute outside of that. Zach Ertz is a fringe starter for me every week. Um but yeah, then uh, there's nobody really outside of that I want to get involved with. Yeah, and then moving on to the betting angle on this one, a lot, uh, pretty much everyone's on Seattle on this. Arizona is actually the two-point favorite here uh, against Seattle. Um, 78% of the bets, 99% of the money are on Seattle. I keep waiting for the Seahawks to tumble, but it seems like they're here to stay, at least for this year. They beat Arizona 19-9 to just three weeks ago. Arizona had the fourth-worst DVOA that week, though the defense was decent. They were right middle of the pack. But I can't pass up Seattle plus two, I don't think. And I'm going to take the under at 49-and-a-half. Uh, Seattle plus two and to win the game. 
I'm the same, but I've gone with the over. I just uh, I, I seem to be on overs this week, so maybe I'm just having a little too much faith in uh, everything. <laughs> yeah, usually I'm I'm pretty big on the the overs. Uh, I took a handful of unders this week, so uh, pretty much all in agreement there. Moving on to one of the few. This is actually only the second. That Seattle Arizona game is 4:05. L.A. Rams uh, at Tampa Bay is at 4:25. Really east or here. On the East Coast in the United States, the only two afternoon games this week. So it's going to be uh, a much slower afternoon than the five games we had last week. But the Rams are plus three, uh, 42.5 point total here going into Tampa Bay. It's a matchup of teams that had Super Bowl aspirations but have fallen well short of expectations. That might even be an understatement. What do we make, though, of this Rams backfield situation? Uh, Daryl Henderson was kind of hurt or sick last week, didn't get as much work. Ronnie Rivers was the big uh, the starting running back. Kyron Williams supposed to be coming back, but now Cam Akers uh, is, looks like a path to maybe play this week or be back with the team. Is there a best play here for this week? I don't think there is because, I mean, like, look at last week. You know, we saw all the tweets from people like Matthew Berry and te- people around the team who were like, hey, okay, Ronnie Rivers is somebody they really like and we're going to give him some work. And he had eight attempts for 21 rushing yards. Malcolm Brown had five attempts for 10 yards. Daryl Henderson, who perhaps was coming off this illness, had four attempts for 16 yards. So it just seems like the running game is just really struggling in LA simply because the O-line is so bad at the minute. And I'm not sure even if Cam Akers comes back that he's suddenly going to start looking fantastic again. And sometimes it can pay to be ahead of people and take those gambles early in fantasy and in DFS. But there's nobody here that I'm willing to take that risk on at the minute. I need to let them prove it before I'm willing to put any money on it. Yeah, I think uh, on the broadcast they were talking about how they're just, they're just not able to run the ball. They're not confident in being able to run the ball. They're 26th in rush offense DVOA, so not a lot to love there in that Rams backfield. I'm hoping uh, someone who stashed Kyron Williams here for a while that when he's back they really liked him this year, hoping he can take control and they just give him the reins, but uh, really not sure which way to go with it there. Now, on the other side for Tampa Bay, it's kind of all the usual names in Tampa Bay that you're starting. Godwin, Evans, Fournette, uh, can't really bench any of those guys. But should Kate Otten be on the streaming or the DFS right He's got five targets and two straight. Averaged almost five targets and 35 yards per game during October. Uh, that was with Cameron Brait out for a handful of games, I believe. Uh, but is he someone that you're targeting or looking to, to play in DFS or even worth a start in season long? He's not somebody that jumped out off the page when I was going through things uh, immediately, but he's only 3,100. So, you know, I'd play, I'd play you at 3,100 on DraftKings, Ian, if you were suiting up as tight end. Like, I think I can do all right. That, <laughs> yeah, once we get into that sort of below 3,500 territory, really all you need is two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown, and that play's paid off. And you know, he has been a reliable part of that passing game. You know, it wasn't too long ago people were talking about Cal Rudolph being the mm-hmm. tight end who might be the one to own there this year. But like, he's had five targets a game for his last two. He's had sort of 20, 27 targets on the season in the six games that he's played. So he's definitely somebody that's got a consistent role, which is what you're looking for. If you're going to punt off a position on DraftKings, you definitely want to at least be able to cling on to something. Uh, he's not got any touchdowns, which it would be nice to see him, you know, for years we've had the idea of Tom Brady leaning on tight ends in the red zone. 
mm-hmm. and it'd be nice to see him pay off with at least one or two of them. So I don't mind it particularly, but perhaps if you're building out heavy game stacks around this, where you go in Tom Brady and Mike Evans, and so you know you can differentiate by adding Kate Orton into it. Um, in terms of if I'm looking for somebody to stream in season long, yeah, I'd probably look to see if there's a more favorable matchup elsewhere. Unless you're in a super deep league, uh, probably not yeah. not the best option. Uh, but kind of a common theme we've talked about with the offenses, I think um, just two struggling below average offenses we didn't really expect against two fairly average defenses. Uh, I'm siding with the under 42 and a half points. And we saw Tampa Bay have a big offensive game earlier in the year. But again, that's been earlier in the year. They really struggled lately. And then as for the spread and money line, I'm going to go with the better quarterback and the better defense this year and take Tampa to cover and win. That's kind of the way I'm looking at this one. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Just leaning just over, though. I feel okay. like, you know, a 24 20 game or something like 27 18 is kind of within the realm of possibilities. But it's just really difficult to have any faith in the Rams right now. And in that situation, I'll just lean with the home team. Yep, totally agree there. We'll move on. Just two more games. A Sunday night game here. Tennessee plus 12 at Kansas City, 46 point total. Now, Derrick Henry plus Kansas City's league average rush defense could mean he has a big day. He's been pretty popular this week and has been very good this year. But do you worry about Kansas City maybe just selling out to stop Henry? Because Henry, because he's basically the only weapon the Titans have right now, it seems. Yeah, and we've kind of talked about that in recent weeks about how, like, you know, he's had games where he touches the ball far more often than Ryan Tannehill makes a pass attempt. But I think the way that Derrick Henry's running at the minute, you just kind of have to have faith in him. And it, the amount of times where we fade Derrick Henry and then he just makes us look stupid, I definitely I don't think it's as good a matchup as last week where we all knew going into last week's game that he was just going to absolutely destroy the Texans. Here, I think it's one of those where you can start him with confidence in season-long and redraft if you play in the Sunday night uh, Captain Showdown games. He's definitely somebody I wouldn't not consider for that. But, yeah, it just feels like if the Chiefs could find a way to stop the Titans, then there's very little else left over. I definitely don't have any faith in any of the wide receivers at the minute. And and looking at uh, the Chiefs running backs against Tennessee, Tennessee is the top defense against the run. They're only average against the pass. We know Mahomes can make even the best defenses look average. So all those Chiefs receivers are probably in play. Um, who's your best pick this week uh, among those those Chiefs receivers? Is Juju Smith-Schuster a guy that, that you think can keep rolling? Well, the Titans rank 25th against wide receiver two, so it definitely feels like it's setting up for – somebody to have like you know you can definitely consider that Travis Kelsey will get his simply mm-hmm. because Travis Kelsey nearly always gets his but it feels like the matchup works for another player to be able to get there as well but it's so difficult at the minute working out whether that's going to be McCall Hardman whether that's going to be Marcus Wilder Scanling or are we going to see uh oh Kadarius Tony suddenly have a game. All of a sudden, his hamstring seems to have miraculously recovered with yep. this uh, trade from New York. And, you know, Andy Reid coming off into a game, we've seen, you know, they're coming off a bye, aren't they? I'm sure Andy Reid has yep. some ridiculous stats when coming off a bye. Like, it feels like these are the kind of games where an offensive lineman is catching touchdowns in the end zone. So, 
I think if you need to start a player, it's fine. I think in single-game sh- showdown slates, I'm completely fine with them. I wouldn't be starting any of the Chiefs running back because that situation just feels very messy. Yeah, and uh, Aaron Schatz put out a tweet talking about how the Titans are very good against short passes. Mahomes has been good on short passes. Uh, but Titans are also dead last against deep passes. Mahomes only 12th, still pretty good, and we know how good he is. Uh, you mentioned Kadarius Kadarius Tony healthy um, could be maybe a big game for him. It seems like uh, they've said they're just going to kind of ease him in. So we'll have to see. But it seems like it's set up for the Chiefs to have a pretty big game passing the ball, uh, given Tennessee's struggles there. Uh, Kansas City, another big spread. I mentioned here they're 12-point favorites, 46-point total. Uh, what do you like on this one on Sunday night? I just think that perhaps we're giving a little too much respect to the Chiefs in this situation. Uh, I think, you know, the Titans, like 12 points to me feels like the kind of line that you see for bad teams. I mean, you know, look at tonight's line is 13.5 for the Eagles against the Texans. And I don't think that the Titans are that bad a team. I think obviously a lot of it depends on Derrick Henry and a lot of it depends on whether Ryan Tannehill is healthy this week. Um, but I've gone for the Titans to cover, Chiefs to win on the money line and be over to hit. I've gone uh, quite, quite the opposite on this one. It was our first, I think, big disagreement this week. I, I don't think Kansas City has trouble winning, so we agree there. 12 points is a lot. Our projections do have the Titans to cover as the third highest confidence pick of the week. It does seem Mike Vrabel is able to win some of these games that are outmatched, but I lean with the Chiefs to cover. And it was earlier in the year, but we saw Josh Allen and Buffalo just blow them out 41-7 in week two. I think Mahomes and the Chiefs obviously have the potential to do that, and I'm gonna gonna side with them and think they put up a big number and uh, are able to cover the 12 points fairly easily. Uh, I sided with the under though. Kansas City below average in DVOA uh, defensively, they're right around middle of the pack though. Uh, but in terms of the the actual number there, I do think they can hold Tennessee enough to stay under 46. Again, it's just really Henry's all you have to worry about, and I think they game plan against him pretty well and are able to, to keep them keep them to a low score. So those are my thoughts for Sunday night. We'll move on to our last game, the Monday Nighter, Baltimore. Your squad, the Ravens there, minus two and a half at New Orleans, 47 and a half point total here. No Rashad Bateman with the bye on the horizon in week 10. It seems like no Mark Andrews as well. He didn't practice today. Now Devin Duvernay and Isaiah Whitehead were two hot pickups this week. Which do you prefer uh, or do you think – could have the bigger game. Is there one guy that you would pick over the other as as the captain in the showdown on Monday night? Well, yeah, um, the news has just come through that Rashad Bateman's going to have season-ending surgery Ooh. on a Liz Frank injury, so that's pretty miserable. And uh, Michael wow. Thomas has also just gone on season-ending IR as well. So it's really a matchup of two teams hurting at wide receiver. I think going back to your question, I prefer Devin Duvernay. He's somebody that, yeah, he's been – really reliable this season in a way which I didn't quite expect him to be. I, you know, I'm a Ravens fan. I've watched a lot of Devin Duvernay, but he's being used in ways that they've previously not. Like he's averaging only 40 yards per game in the receiving work, but he's just seeing far more targets than he has done. I don't think he can play the game in the same way that Rashad Bateman does, but he offers something different. And if the Ravens are forced to have to be creative like that, then so be it. I think, you know, you look at, what the Ravens have in the passing game outside of Devin DuVernay. And it's James Prochet, who's a good player, had a good off-season before he had a soft tissue injury, which hampered progress. Tylen Wallace, who the team seems never particularly fussed about. 
Deshaun Jackson is probably going to end up playing a lot this year, which just, well, okay. But uh, I would really like to see Isaiah likely have a big step up. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Andrews does play in this game. Uh, It just feels like, you know, if he can get out one painful performance and then have the bye week off, then that's something that he'd be willing to do. But it also just feels like the Ravens are ready to turn the page and become a run-heavy team again. You know, the offensive line's grading in the top three on PFF at the minute. They've been running the ball really well. I know Gus Edwards might miss this week. J.K. Dobbins is on IR temporarily. But they've been doing very good against it. And even though the Saints are a reasonable team, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, we saw the Ravens put up 200 rushing yards in the second half of the game against the Buccaneers last time they played. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Gus Edwards maybe won't play. Who would you prefer there between uh, Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill? Uh, I think probably just lean towards Kenyon Drake a little bit. I, a few weeks back, I would have probably said Justice Hill, but it seems like Kenyon Drake's been running well and the team uh, put a bit more faith in him now than they had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he had a big week uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Baltimore 25th against the run. Kamara in for a, a good night, I think, and he's been used just a lot more lately. Uh, that Andy Dalton is at quarterback, catching a lot of passes. Uh, finally got in the end zone and did it. Uh, I think he was one of those three touchdowns, right? Uh, three, yeah. I was hoping I didn't. Uh, it wasn't two. I thought I saw three. Uh, but one more question on the, the the Saints side before we move into the betting side of this. You mentioned Michael Thomas uh, now on IR. No Jarvis Landry either. Rashid Shahid worth playing. He's had a couple good games in a row. I think. I think if you really need to, then uh, yeah. I think this Ravens defense has been improving ever since Marcus Peters got healthy. They've been definitely better against wide receivers. If I was looking for a streamer amongst that kind of level of player, though, I'd probably lean towards Juwan Johnson, who's having a nice season. He had a quiet game against the Raiders, but he's got more catches this season than Kyle Pitts or Dawson Knox or Hunter Henry. Mm. And the Ravens rank 21st in defense against tight ends. Um, so I'd be completely fine playing him. He's averaging 4.25 targets per game. Um, yeah, I think he's still kind of going under the radar a little bit. And you got always have Taysom Hill in there as a, a high upside play. Uh, had uh, like 10 points last week, 10 rushes for 61 yards, uh, reception or two, threw, for, uh, threw one pass, only like two yards, but always has a chance to go off. So if you're, you're desperate there, uh, uh, an option uh, or in a deeper league there. Uh, looking on the betting side, again, I think I said two and a half points, Baltimore's favored, 47 and a half point total. Uh, your Ravens here, I'll let you take the lead on this one. I mean, you know, maybe call me a homer, but there's, you know, the Ravens are top five in rushing offense, top five in passing offense, uh, DVOA, and I just feel like they're a little bit stronger than the Saints. I've got them to cover here, but probably not by a lot. I think if it was any, I've got it down at minus 2.5. If that was like minus 3.5 or so, I'd probably say they wouldn't cover. So I'm expecting a close game. Possibly an under. I feel like this is going to be one where the running games really drag the pace of the game down a little bit. Um, but yeah, Ravens to win. I can't not go with that. Yeah, we're we're right on it to end the show today. Uh, I'm with you there. That Saints defense did dominate last week. It was Vegas, though. Uh, as we mentioned, we just don't really know what's going on there. They'd given up 28 plus in four straight prior to that, though. So I like Baltimore to cover minus two and a half. 
Uh, I said the under as well. Uh, I think it'll get very close to it, like a 24-21, Baltimore has held their last five opponents to 24 or less. As you mentioned, that that defense kind of coming on, especially that pass defense here lately. So all in agreement here at the end, Baltimore covers, and it's under 47 and a half. So that will do it for this week's show for week nine. Before we go, don't forget you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. They will match your deposit up to $100. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats, premium articles. You get an ad-free experience. And best of all, you get access to all of the data a day early on Mondays instead of having to wait until Tuesday. So again, that's FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game starting each week on Thursday night through the day on Sunday and then on Monday night to end the week. Tom, thank you for joining me. As always, everyone out there, thanks for watching. Enjoy the action and may your fantasy teams win and all your bets end.